for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The listener questions and scenarios have been rolling in, y'all. Can you call out from private to public? What is gunking and when do you use it? Early season bull scenarios, growling bulls, what's that all about? And what do you do with it? How do you know when to put on a scenario or to move on? When do you call at a bull and know how to call away from him? Today, y'all, we answer all those listener scenario questions and a bunch more. We've been saving for the right time. And that time is right now. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Honey. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your hosts, Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for our blue-color hunters following our show out there and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ardellis, the host of your show from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas. That's right. We got the leader of the Venezuelan mafia with us, Mr. Luis Gonzalez. And from Las Cruces, New Mexico, (laughs) The Gila Ridge runner himself, one of our elk hunting coaches, Mr. Eric Aragon, is in the house. And from Cimarron, New Mexico, that's right, your elk hunting coaches are in the house. Mr. Leroy, the Ninja Chavez, is in the house. And WWJGD, you know Joe (laughs) Gilly is in the house, and he's ready to tee it up and hit it deep, fellas. What's up? What's up? Hey, well, we've got... Crew here with us, man. Luis decided right. to join us this week, man. We're not we're not chopped liver no more. You know? <laughs> well, we did have an election last week. I just want you to know, bro. You 
you know, you can serve under me. I mean, we're, you know. Still number one in my heart, bro. It's a coup, man. There's no democracy here. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, man. This You're is right. a full dictatorship for yeah, sure. Yeah, we figured you'd be used to that. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> cold, unfortunately. Bro. Unfortunately. But I'll tell you who is more used to that is Manano when he hangs out with me, man. That's uh, for sure. He's oh, the slave. Happy birthday, bro. Happy Thank birthday. You. Yeah, man. Happy, happy birthday, birthy, birthday my Thank brother. You, brother. Yeah. Thank you. Or. Three. Four, three. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Four, yeah. three. So get this. It, it, it just seemed like yesterday, three years ago at three o'clock in the morning, in the middle of the night, my phone blows up and I get up there and there's a video. There's a, it's a video chat from Luis and Monado and they're, they've, they're doing karaoke singing oh my from, from, from his, from his birthday live there in Katy, Texas, man. It was awesome. Yeah, it was wild. It was a big party, man. We had a ton of people. We had a nice folk music group out here and, uh, it was a ton of fun. It was, uh, pre COVID, of course. So, I mean, we didn't, didn't realize what was to come at that time. So look, I'm going to tell you, my brother's, can kill elk and hogs and everything else. They are absolute assassins, but they can't sing. <laughs> hey, but we can dance. Yeah. Good, but I ain't lying about that, bro. Y'all get down with the best of them. My wife, my wife is like, who's that? Like, that Wrong number. Unbelievable. I can't sing either, but I enjoy doing it. Hey, and Chav, yeah. Chav's coming up here in... Gosh, just uh, not too many more days here. Mm-hmm. This guy yeah, turns seven zero. Ooh, come on, yes, sir. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. Can't wait. <clears throat> Got to let all our listeners in on a little something that that's coming up. We're gonna get to reunite the group here in a few weeks. It's gonna yep. be a fun time, baby. Yep, sure is, man. It's gonna be a fun well, time. Me and Chav and RC are loading up the Taj Mahal, bud, and we're heading to Texas and <laughs> meet the dudes and go shoot some pigs over there. It's going to be a blast, man. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So, oh, just, oh, and hopefully you'll be hitting them this time. <laughs> I hit them last time. Ooh, you say that out loud, Beto? I'm sorry. I hit them last time. Bro. <laughs> you don't stand still, bro. <laughs> I, I even, man, I, these I, pigs, they just don't stand still, man. What the heck? <laughs> They don't sit still at all. <laughs> he wondered, now I know why y'all hunted my feeders. <laughs> oh, it was, it, but you guys were blown away. Did not know that you could call in pigs, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're still right. blown. We, I call them in with corn. <laughs> yeah. no, we call them in with my yeast. Yeah, yeah you cheat, yeah. man. You cheat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, we hunt them over oak trees. They fall in acorns, man. I mean, come on, brother. That's true. Just a different kind of feed, right? No, yeah. it's the same kind. Gross. <laughs> oh, so some announcements here. Um, Hunt Wars Season 3 applications are happening. And oh, if cool. you don't know about Hunt Wars, Go on Instagram, go on huntwars.com, go to YouTube and look up Hunt Wars. That's Hunt Wars with a Z, all one word when you look it up, man, huntwars.com. It is the most incredible opportunity 
It's if you don't know about it, go check that out. It is the most incredible competition there is. We get an opportunity to coach the teams that because it's a competition, and we coach the teams in the elk hunting part of the competition. One of our coaches sitting right here, Eric, was with him in camp, and it was awesome. And things are going to change this year, Eric, because yeah. this time, man, coaches are going to be on the bench checking it out from the field, man. So it's going to be oh, wow. I can't, I can't yeah. wait, man. I cannot wait. Yeah, it, it's going to be diagonal awesome. So you guys go check it out. Uh, every one of the, every single one of the competitors this year, the teams, every one of them said the same thing when they put in, they, did not think they had a snowball chance in Hades of winning and being on that show. And it was just tremendous. It was awesome. So, um, mountain archery fest. So if you guys, uh, mountain archery fest is put out their events. It's one of the best daggum 3d competitions out there. Not with one course, not with two course, multiple courses. They even have a course that is, uh, a base map course where there's no pass to get there. You have to, you have to go by the coordinates. You have to go by the waypoints oh, cool. to get to the places oh. to shoot. They have a, uh, they have one course that's all record, m- mimicking record animals out there that you get a chance to shoot at. And it's just a great time for family, for people. And, Elk Bros are going to be at some of those events this year, and oh, we sweet. are going to introduce the first ever team elk calling competition. So, oh wow, yeah, it, team. and so team, team, it's going to be partners. It's not going to be dependent on the skill sets of one person. It's going to be guys putting on scenarios that are going to be sharing their skill sets so that it applies right to the same thing that they would be doing in the woods, man. So, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. And, you know, it's so funny is in most competitions, you're not able to use props, not mm-hmm. able to use branches or sticks or anything mm-hmm. to rake. Mm-hmm. Not in this one. They, if, if we have That's the cool. props there for them, they'll be able to use props to add that to their scenarios. Talk about stuff. realistic, man. Yes, That's sir. Awesome. Yes, sir. So, so we're excited about that. Um, another, hey, you, be, you better have some big trees because you get Cole Wilkes work in this scenario. Have a chainsaw on the premises. <laughs> Cole will be raking on his partner. He'll make a noise. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he might use his partner to rake with. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out. Old Sasquatch is reap for real. And, I'm perfect for him. I, I don't know if our listeners have heard about this or if they haven't heard about how for wildlife. Um, you can go for howforwildlife.org, all one word. And how for wildlife, if you haven't been noticing all of the attacks that have been happening across the United States on hunting and hunting opportunities with legislation that has been introduced to stop predator hunting, to stop bear hunting, to stop cougar hunting. Shoot, New Hampshire, it was to stop beagle hunting for rabbits over there. And how for wildlife is a way for all of us to unite our voice. And they have, it only takes seconds to go in there, add your name, create an account, there's no money. It doesn't cost anything. They don't hit you with spam, but it's a way that they set up all of this ability for 
letters for us to sign a letter that's going to go to all the people that are on those legislative committees and that are making those decisions. So as a hunting community across the United States, it lets us swamp people with waves of communication, letting them know that we're against what they're doing or we're for something there. Okay. So that's how for wildlife, H-O-W-L has nothing to do. And you know, one person thought that it meant that, you know, this was kind of a supportive thing for wolves. No, it's just about, it's the idea of us being a pack, one voice singing out there. And it's working already. Already in Colorado, it, uh, they voted down the bill in Colorado to defeat the, the bill against cougar hunting in New Hampshire. It defeated the bill in New Hampshire to stop the beagle hunting of, of, uh, out in that state over there. So already the voice is having effect. Now we have battles in Washington. We have battles in California for bear hunting. We have battles in Arizona for predator hunting. So if you're not part of it, go get on there. Be united with our voice. Hey, look. You're not able to look at states like it's their problem anymore because once this happens in one state, this is a united front by people that are trying to stop this all across the United States. So if you don't help those other states, you know, man, it's coming to us next, you know. And let me tell you something else, man. When they start defeating and you start losing hunting opportunities in one state, then people are going to come to the other states to have those hunting opportunities, we, yeah. you know, we start to choke down that resource, right? Sure. So, man, we've got to be very proactive, and this is a great Eventually, way to do it, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. And last, guys, man, it just came out uh, now that we're two weeks out. So it was two weeks ago from today, yeah. um, Mark Livesey's podcast on e-scouting. How cool was that? Yeah, it was awesome, awesome. Joe. Yeah. And, awesome. and, and could have... Could have went another two hours. Absolutely. And it blew up, man. It's just going yeah, nuts. Sure. And yeah. so listen, all you guys out there, if you want to save 20 bucks on his e-scouting masterclass, go use promo code. Elk bros. Elk bros. Yeah. E-L-K-B-R-O-S. All one Baby. word. The good thing about his course too is it's good for two years. It's not a one year subscription. So two years and you can use that. I mean, I've been on it. It's incredible what he's put together and it'll take you some time to grind through it. But boy, you put two years on that thing. You're going to be deadly. He's a great guy. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, Luis, you would have loved it, man. It was like, wow. it was fantastic. It was so technical, dude. Yep. You know, no, he, and he sounds like he's got the whole passion behind him too. Yeah. And what was so cool was Mark had just recovered from COVID. Yeah, and, right. uh, and <clears> matter of fact, really- that's the reason we, we had a cancel with him mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a couple of shows before that. So. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, he was just like down, had been feeling like it, man. And he got on the show with us and we all started talking elk hunting and everything. And he, you could just see the fire, man, just coming yeah. right back. Now let up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> did. Hey, hey. What up? I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change the volume in here so you can hear these guys here. So give me one second. Okay guys, so what he's doing now is we are all live. Everybody who's here is part of a live broadcast of the uh, Elk Bros podcast. Blue collar elk hunting right here at its finest. Uh, Absolutely. I'm sorry I missed the intro there, big O. Yeah, it's all right, brother. You can pick it up on the podcast when it rolls out. <laughs> I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Nope. 
He'll yeah, I'm not sure up. how loud you can hear these guys here. Let me see if I can turn their volume up a little bit. I'm sorry, guys, man. This is this is the first time doing something like this, and uh, yeah, it's been been a little bit different. There we go. All right, can you guys hear him? I, I got him. I can hear him. It's a little bit quiet, but I can hear you. All right, man. Not a problem, man. Hey, I'm man, we appreciate a- you having <laughs> us on with you, brother. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing to get to know uh, to know Joe and to 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 find you guys and discover what the, all the knowledge that's out there to find. Yeah, Joe's okay. Be welcomed into the community. Is <laughs> uh, your health camp? So thank you guys for being uh, you know so hospitable and wanting to help out the uh, random acts of kindness deal that we're doing here and and be a part of it. Uh, I know that's what you guys preach and I know that's what you're doing and helping each other and. Um, we, 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 we fit right along that. So thank you so much for, uh, for, for being a part of it with us and, uh, let us be a part of it with you guys as well. And we love your platform, brother. Thank you so much for allowing us to be part. Yeah. No. And, and this, this, this means a whole lot to us. You know, this is just a win-win situation, <laughs> random acts of kindness, something that we should all be doing every day anyway. And pay it forward. Yeah, and for you to celebrate it and for the businesses to jump in and celebrate that, you know, we're just honored with that. And I'm sorry I was laughing a second ago because I I saw Joe uh <laughs> Joe established there said to put Manano on mute. So Joe, Manano's not with us tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said and I said uh not necessary, nobody understands him anyway. <laughs> Nobody understands him anyway. So <laughs> we can fill that in later. You're gonna sound really wise when we're done, bro. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to these guys. Yeah, Joe, so, tell him that tell him that Big O won't disappoint him on the intro, man. We'll uh we we got a good one coming at him. <laughs> I, I heard that. I'll be ready for it. Sweet. So you gonna pick a name? You gonna pick a name? You ready? Yeah, heck yeah. yeah let's see who's yeah. going to win it, man. Let's, let's pick a name. Okay. Sweet. All right here. So first one that we picked, our random act of kindness winner, first winner of the uh, Blue Collar Elk Academy, Game On Outdoors is nominating Isaiah 1010 for his kind deeds throughout the last month. Adrian at Game On, thank you so much for nominating. The, the winner is Isaiah J. 10, 10. So congratulations, Isaiah. Congratulations, Isaiah. That's, That's awesome. Congratulations, huh? Isaiah. Yeah. And, 10. Yeah. and, and dude, we will, um, you DM me. Uh, so DM Elk Bros and just give us your email. We'll set you up with the account. We've been fixing everybody up. Uh, get you on there. And the only deal is, man, you put that bull down. You got to send us a success pick. All right. Thanks, bro. And a story. Yeah, that yep. sounds good. That sounds good. I'm so proud of our 505, the guys that are here. You know, uh, you know, we got, uh, we got the Crucis Ridge Runner right here. We got Chav over here. We're going to say a whole lot, but you know what? I think Gilbert and Luis are kind of New Mexican by heart, man. So absolutely. <laughs> dude. We're, we're in search of property. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, bud. <laughs> peace, peace, everybody. Thanks for having us on, Armando. Hey, thank you, guys. Take Good night. Care. You Good betcha. Night. All right. So, Joe, what about Waypoint TV? What, what's that all about? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Waypoint TV. I, I totally missed that. 
And uh, just so everybody knows, if you tried to go to our old Buzzsprout page, I've actually redirected that now because um, our Blue Collar Elk Hunting podcast was picked up by the Waypoint TV network. So you can go to podcast.elkbros.com. You can go to elkbros.com slash podcast. You can go to elkbros.com and click on podcast and you get to our podcast page. Or you can go to Waypoint TV. And look, I want you to do this anyway. Go to waypointtv.com. Just all one word, waypointtv.com. And they have such an incredible lineup of outdoor shows and outdoor podcasts. It's all right there for you. You don't have to go searching on all this stuff to find these outdoor shows. You're gonna, you're gonna find elk shape there. You're gonna find blood origin there. You're gonna find western contours there. And you're gonna find so much more as well. And, uh, it, it's just a great place to go. Um, if you're an outdoors person and you're looking for that content. Also, if you went to some of the other links and you looked and you're like, I, I just got an email from, uh, from, uh, the Billy Goat, man. He's like, man, I haven't seen a show since like January 12th. I'm like, no, dude, because he was going to the old link. So gotcha. yeah, I just want to make sure everybody knows that. So there we go. Well, all right, Joe, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros. Shout out. If you're new to our show, this is just a shout out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Yeah, man. And what I'm going to do first, though, man, is we did get a shout out. We got one from our brother Vinny, man. Here he is. Let me share this with you. Elk Bros Grinder here from Washington, heading north to Prudhoe Bay. Hey, did you guys catch that uh, last... uh episode they dropped i would say two weeks ago you check it out nothing but great stuff on e-scout and even if you're staying in your own state it's vinny heading north yeah vinny farrell man oh and there was something else luis man i know i know we got my brother brandon fields and he wanted us he wanted the leader of the venezuelan mafia (laughs) Uh, Joe misspelled here. He said mafia leaders, but no, he wanted the leader of the Venezuelan mafia, the one present, um, to give a shout out to Warner Robbins in Georgia. So, brother Brandon, thank you much, brother. I appreciate the support, and uh, I'll let uh, I'll let Manano know that uh, you know that you also recognize me as the one and only leader of the Venezuelan mafia. So a lot of respect. You snooze, you lose, bro. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This week's top listening city is located on the Western slopes of the Black Hills in the Rapid City metropolitan area and took its name from a nearby Creek, which is named after a salt chief in May of 2020. It experienced a large sinkhole 40 by 50 foot wide that opened up into an abandoned gypsum mine, seemingly bottomless pit. A resident there was mowing his lawn when he felt movement under his feet to realize he was only one foot away from disaster. The sinkhole displaced 12 families, but get this, the affected homes and family home insurance would not cover the repairs and expenses because they did not cover sinkholes. And this is in Blackhawk, South Dakota. Blackhawk, South Dakota. (laughs) Top listening city, Blackhawk, South Dakota. Blackhawk, man, I I don't, you're, you're mowing the lawn 
and you're, you know, you got the headphones on listening to the elk bros <laughs> and, and you, you feel vibration under your feet, man. And you look back and the earth is gone. Could you imagine? I mean, yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> What's crazy is uh, one of our clients was drilling a well up there in East Texas and <clears throat> all of a sudden you could hear like, it was like a jet engine running up underneath the rig uh-huh. and the rig started listing. So the earth was actually running out from under the, the rig. And what wow. we drilled into was an underground river. And oh, that wow. water had come up and started washing out and creating a sinkhole. And they actually had to get, well, we threw everything in that hole we could to stop the erosion. <laughs> but there was no stopping. I mean, we threw pallets, every sack of Bayright we had, we threw everything in there and the rig started listing. So they're worried about Whoa. the rig falling over, you know. Uh-huh. So it's a big drilling rig too. I'm talking a big triple that's, you know, a couple hundred, couple thousand horsepower. And it wasn't no little hole. It encompassed the whole bottom side of the rig and the rig's got a huge footprint underneath it under its structure and i've never seen anything like it but when you'd walk up there to the structure you could hear that river i mean it sounded like a jet engine underneath you you know and uh they finally they had to get get off everything off location and get that over there and drill uh actually a relief to that so they could stop that sinkhole from spreading so it was crazy, man. They they poured cement for days in that hole, man. It just kept washing down river. It was uh was the most one of the most amazing sites I've ever seen. And somebody down river ended up with a lot of concrete <laughs> someplace. <laughs> well, that's the thing is you don't know where it was because I mean it's you know six seven hundred feet deep under there, so you don't know where that river was running. You know, unbelievable, <clears throat> crazy, man. You don't mess with Mother Nature. Absolutely not. Joe, this next city is located in the northeast Alberta province, in the middle of the Ashbaskin, uh, Athabaskan oil sands, uh, and it's surrounded by the boreal forest. North Americans, North America's bird nursery, which is a part of the largest intact forest left on earth. It was originally settled by the Cree people and then by the Northwest Fur Company in 1790. The Hudson Bay Company then bought it in 1821. It was named after a company executive in Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada. Our brothers and sisters up north, man. Fort McMurray, Alberta. Canada. And, and I think that's Athabascan. Athabascan, yeah. Yep, Athabascan like oil sand. I was like, oh, Gilbert will get this, man. I mean, he's been to every <laughs> oil place yeah. in the country, you know. <laughs> well, one of the places I haven't drilled is in the Athabascan oil sand. <laughs> yeah. Well, you better put that on your list, man. Founded in 1834, <laughs> this city prospered with the discovery of oil and gas deposits during the 1880s. The city was named mm-hmm. after Salina, New York. The city's claim to fame was an F3 tornado that devastated the town in 2019, causing substantial damage. Claim to fame? Hmm. Yeah, that'll be infamous. Yeah, yeah infamous, man. Yeah. While killing one person and injuring eight others. It also plays host to many yearly events. Among them is the Governor's Cup Regatta in August, where hydroplanes in six different classes race on a one-mile course on Grand Lake right here in Salina, Ohio. 
Ohio. Talk about talk about a, a day for the old patch right here, man. Yeah, yeah. Sure we Vinny, not, we got you know the oil sands of Alberta, then yeah, you know. Yeah. Have have so, you guys ever seen the hydroplane races? Those are some fast boats, brother. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, they're airplanes on the water, man. And yeah, some of them, I mean, if they catch the wind the wrong way, they're flipped. It's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, lethal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, fellas. I got a killer city this week, man. This is unbelievable. Absolutely, you do. Oh, you here we go. Know it. So this place is real rich in Civil War history. Uh, it was a major Confederate stronghold and was once the capital of Louisiana. Uh, the city is the commercial and the industrial center for the whole region, and it's known as the Arklatex, okay? The city was named named the captain of the United States Corps of Engineers, and it led the effort to clear, check this out, the Red River of a 180-mile log jam. Now, that's unbelievable. And here's something else. Nearby in the Cato Lake is also the site of the hundreds of alleged Bigfoot sightings, which is, you know, <laughs> and this, this was actually a topic on the 26, uh, 2006 travel, uh, channel documentary that was titled Bigfoot. Now, when I got looking at this place, I said right away, we need to have a podcast from Herbie K's food. We need to get down there. And oh, we really? Live, we, oh, we need to do a live podcast from down there. I mean, this place, it's got culture. It's got he art. Does, it's buddy. got Civil War history. Uh, you talk about music. You know, Sam Cooke, if you all know who Sam Cooke was, he was arrested in 1963 for just trying to stay at an all-whites holiday inn. Shortly after that, he wrote a song about civil rights called The Change Is Gonna Come. It's a beautiful song. Oh, You've yeah. ever heard it. Man, Elvis has performed there at the Louisiana Hayride Radio. You got film. You got art. They film more <laughs> movies there like Welcome Home, Roscoe Jenkins, Mr. Brooks. The list goes on. <laughs> it's home to a lot of sports. And then this is another keeper. You guys know where Bar- – you guys ever heard of Barksdale Air Force Base? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's real famous because in night back when a nine eleven occurred, that's where Air Force One landed. That's where the president oh, they had to sure. stop him getting down a bunker. But it's got famous people, man. I'm talking Evelyn Ashford, the big bad guy Terry Bradshaw, Albert Bell, uh Joe Dumars from the Pistons, Robert Parrish from the Celtics, Todd Walker from the Colorado Rockies, and if you like music. Hank Williams Jr. was from there, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. So, man, I'm giving a huge Elk Bro shout out to Shreveport, Louisiana, boys. What? Shreveport, Louisiana, man. I'll add on to that. A big old patch, a big old patch close to it, too. Right east of that, maybe northeast, the Haynesville shell. Shell. Um, Pretty popular. And uh, a little town there called Shangaloo. I used to eat there all the time while while I was uh, working at the rigs up in that area back in. uh, And look, let me tell you all about them Bigfoot sightings. That's my my cousin Beauregard (laughs) and Thibodeau and Boudreaux walking through the woods, stripped down because it's too hot. That's all you're seeing is all them boys chasing down crawfish. And eating. Uh, I think it was Cole Wilkes down there too hunting whitetail. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I tell you what, Louisiana is an awesome town. I've yeah. been there fishing bass tournaments and 
uh, in the oil field half my life there. Uh, it's a great town. We, we appreciate those guys showing out, man. For sure. and, Joe, I think yeah. we can skip my shout out because I don't think, I, you know, after that world class shout out that Eric <laughs> just spit it out there just out of pure memory, it's just embarrassing. We might just, just keep going, bro. Uh, Eric, Eric's just a, the dude, man. He practices presentations. He's oh got all that kidding me man i was like sure yeah you had to put me right after him too i get paid paid to talk fellas hey eric evelyn ashford he brought up evelyn ashford right yes most people don't realize evelyn man was so fast she ran on her boys 400 meter relay he was so fast dude he ran on the boys 400 meter relay that lady was smoking and then you know he mentioned somebody else that i think never you talk about the goat i don't think he really gets the credit he should most of the time because terry bradshaw is not only hilarious not only funny but that dude man the pittsburgh steelers I mean, he was a winner, man. Oh, four-time Super Bowl goodness. champion. Yeah. Four-time Super Bowl champion. Good and, you know, man. people want to compare stats, right? Mm-hmm. Right? They they want to go, well, yeah, he was four-time, but did he do this, this, and that? Look, that was the day when there was none of this targeting. That was the day no. when oh, there was you no hit, you use kill slide. the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, that was the day when Dick Buckus wanted to take your daggum head off, right? Sure, yeah. Different era, for sure. <laughs> it was so different. Yeah. And to be an Iron Man like that during that time, man, whoo, yeah. yeah. I'm going to shoot for it when I retire, man. That's one place I got a list of places <laughs> I'm stopping at in the world in all 50 states. It's Shreveport. I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, yeah. it's a great town, man. You'll yeah, you'll love it, and the awesome. food is amazing there. Awesome. Yeah, baby. Podcast time. Let's do a live one there. All right, tear it up now, Luis. All right, this Stop Listening City was named after London, England in 1773 and after Scottish-Irish immigrants living nearby Londonderry, New Hampshire, a seaport city and port of entry of the northeast coast of the United States. It is located in none other on the James and the Thames River, an inviting <laughs> college town surrounded by lakes and mountains. It is the perfect destination for recreation, dining, shopping, and sightseeing. The city was originally called Heidel- Heidelberg. Yep. New London, New Hampshire. New London, New Hampshire. <laughs> I like it, bro. I like ah, it. Dude, Ooh, from the deep yeah. south to the very... Eastern Seaboard. Here we Drop go, baby. Oh, no. uh, oh, man. I had a little bit of hiccup there, but, you know, it's kind of hard to follow Mr. Aragon. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool, man. We like, love all our listening cities, man. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. And if anything, Luis, man, all these guys that are listening to this at 1030 at night, 11 o'clock at night, you just woke wake somebody up. up. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a thick cup of coffee, right? That's cowboy coffee right there. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, this is so cool because we've been asking for people to send in scenarios. And actually, I've been saving up scenario questions and some elk hunting questions for quite a bit of time. In fact, I found one today that I missed way back um, from Taylor Larrabee. So we've got all kinds here, and we get a chance now just to get cranking. Um, this is y'all's show. You've been sending these in, and we're going to do our best uh, to have a good time with this and give you some good answers, give you some nuggets, um, hopefully help some people out. And we're not going to tell you we know all the answers to these. Remember, this is like what we would do. 
there's a lot of people that do things different than we do, and we don't know it all. Absolutely not. Now, well, wait a second. Well, Chab does. But I, you know, the rest of us, we don't know it all. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to do the best we can uh, to do this. And if you've uh, got the ninja with you. When you got the ninja with you, you don't need much else. That's right. <laughs> and since we got Ask the ninja. Ask me how I know. Oh, Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah, why don't you start it out then? Okay, the first question comes from Justin Skel- Skelton from Garden City, Kansas. And he, it's a two-part question. The first part says, if, if we aren't hearing any elk talking back, at what point do you transition from moving from drainage to drainage to stopping and putting on a show or changing to a completely different spot altogether. And then the he, has second, part, yeah, he has a second question. So let's, let's handle that first one. First of all, he said, we aren't hearing any elk talking back. At what but are they talking? Yeah. You know, that's what, my, my first question to him, but are they talking? Right. They ain't talking back, but are they talking? At all. Right. Yeah. 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 So yeah, are you located? Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you dealing with quiet elk from the beginning? So, mm-hmm. you know, because when, when they ask this, at what point do you transition from moving from drainage to drainage to stopping and putting on a show or change to a completely different spot altogether? So I'm going to let some of you guys hit this first. And I think there's importance in sign. We 100% need to, need to establish that there are elk in the area. Right. Um, and, and that would mean whether I would put on a scenario or not. Yeah. What time of, what time of day is it? Yeah. You know, wh- where are you in, in, in terms of that, in terms of your timing, you know, are you uh, hearing any elk exactly. around, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not hearing any elk around and you've not seen any sign, fresh scat tracks, uh, you know, do drags uh, from the morning, I mean, any of that stuff, blown up trees, fresh. Um, is it, is it windy? Yeah. What, what kind of calling are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. are you getting mm-hmm. it out there? You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. that can play into that. There's yeah. a lot of elk that won't talk back, especially a lot of these satellite bulls and stuff, especially yeah. early in the year. What time of year? Yep. Yeah. Especially I think early it's a, when talk back. I think it's important too, you know, it also depends of where you're at with your hunt, you know, because normally when we start out our hunt or, you know, we plan for seven days in the mountain, right? So the very first day we're, we're going to do a lot of walking and, you know, evaluating scouting, basically scouting. Yes. And then you're looking for sign. and, And then, so I guess at that point, if, if you realize that there's good sign, uh, but you're not listening as you're kind of trying to do locating bugles and trying to just hear something, then it's a good time to kind of move from drainage to, to drainage yeah. to explore more area. But, um, and, and, and you would stop, I mean, to me, you would stop and put on a show after you've, you've been walking for a little bit. You're not listening to, to anything. Maybe you can try, you know, on the second day visiting a similar area. If you got good sign and then at that point try putting on a show, but when you want to really completely change uh, to a different spot altogether is when the first two days really haven't yielded any, any good signage uh, at all. You know, if you don't see sign there, I mean, even after the first day, it's like what we did this year, right? I mean, or this past year, uh, we, you know, we just went to a place, um, we weren't a hundred percent sure we moved, 
saw a really good sign and we decided to stick with that. And then they weren't talking. So, I mean, to me, this is very similar to what we went through this year, this past, this past elk season. Yeah, and we knew there were elk there, so we did a bunch of scenario-based calling, which in, in the end is how I ended up killing my bull. Yeah. Chab, what do you think? Yeah, I think, that, you know, like the guys mentioned before, you know, if you if you don't hear anything and there's not any sign around, you do want to uh, change location. Uh, but if you do, if, uh, you are calling and again, uh, you can actually sit down for a while and, and call and, and give it a little bit of time, you know, maybe up to a half hour. And if there's absolutely nothing, just continue, you know, go, go try to drain. Yeah. Keep yeah. moving. So uh, the only thing that, you know, a big question for me is like, when you say that you're not seeing him, well, what part of the drainage are you in anyway? Are, are you in an area where the elk are going to be? Are you um, at midday up in those north facing, northeast facing areas, areas, up in bedding areas where you can mm-hmm. check are there? Um, are you checking? Um, because my favorite thing to do when I'm struggling is I like to side hill, find a trail that's working that side hill and start following an elk trail, man. And, you know, because they are going to, even if there's no track on it, I want to follow that because number one, it's going to give me the easiest way to walk. It's going to take me from someplace elk have come from to an, a place that elk are going. And I, as I'm doing that, I'm going to learn the quickest way to get places. And most of the time it's going to take me to either a saddle or it's going to take me to a ridge or it's going to take me to um, a knuckle trail that, you know, I talk about those all the time where, you know, uh, two drainages kind of come together or, uh, and at the top where they like to cross up there in the top, you know, uh, are you someplace where you're going to see smell here? You know, because I hear you talking about hearing a bugle, but I hate, okay. I think a big mistake people make is hunting bugles and not hunting elk, right? 100%. And when you do that, that gets to be a real frustrating day because you can put on a lot of miles just throwing out location bugles and then moving on, moving on. And you don't even know a lot of times (laughs) how many times you've thrown out a lot of bugles and you just keep moving and other elk are actually coming to you. And by the time they get there, you're already long gone, right? So, you know, are you able to get some place where you can try to look with your eyes to see different areas, to locate if you're seeing something there? Are you seeing tracks that are going up and down? Like the guy said, are you, when I'm going to put on a show, I smell fresh urine. And if I'm smelling fresh urine and let's say it's 10 o'clock and I'm up near a bedding area, I'm putting on a show. Heck yeah. You know, absolutely, man. Or if I'm down in a bottom and I have some scent coming down and it's first thing in the morning in the dark and I have elk scent on there. Well, number one, I'm going to first hunt into the scent a little bit. I might do a little bit of cow call. I might not. It depends on what, how strong it is. And then if I'm in that situation where it starts to get daylight and I don't see them, man, I'm going to put on a scenario. And here's the biggest thing is that sometimes well, we're going to come to that in a little bit. I don't even want to throw that one out there early. It's just too early to do it. But if, look, if I'm, if I'm covering those tracks and those trails and I'm hitting on those places where those elk should be and I'm not finding fresh droppings, I'm not seeing fresh track. I'm not seeing, I'm not smelling urine or an elk out there or I'm not seeing animals anywhere. 
then yes, I'm moving the heck out of Dodge. We're going, yeah, we're out of there, man. And, and I'm like out right away. And if we get in an area where, you know, now we've gone five miles, I haven't said anything. It's time to pack up and move and we're going to do that. All right. Second question, Chaff. Well, the second part, uh, when you get a bull to respond and you start to close the gap, at what approximate distance do you start throwing your calls behind you? Do you call toward him until you're, you set up or do you direct all your calls behind you once you are 200, 400, 600 yards away? And, yeah, well, uh, you know, I think ahead. as long, as long as he's responding, you can start throwing your calls behind you uh, almost at, at any distance. Cause, uh, you know, at 600 yards, if you're calling behind you and he's responding, you can continue to close that gap. And as you get closer, you definitely want to keep throwing them behind you as you go. So especially uh, inside of 200. Oh, definitely for sure. And, and read you know what he's doing because yeah. if he's coming to you when he's doing that, I you don't have to do a lot of calling. Man. Still get, get ready and mm-hmm. set up. Yeah, absolutely. They'll close that 200 yards in seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, you get in and you read what that bull's doing. That bull's coming and you can hear him screaming. Ah, you know, what I might do is I might hang a little worm out there just to set the hook. I might throw mm-hmm. just one slight cow call and it doesn't have to be loud. And you might Badly. be like, well, they can't hear it. Let me tell you what, man, if he's Badly. coming in your direction and he's not screaming at the time, he's going to hear that when he's coming yeah, in. Buddy. And and you just yeah. need that. You just need to hang a little piece of bait out there just so he knows which direction to go and then so he can't pinpoint you once he gets in there, right? But here's the critical thing. When you're doing that, when you set that when you set that little piece of bait out there, daggum not at him. Well and make not at him behind you and make sure you're in a good setup. Right. Because this is your opportunity. This is not an oh crap moment. This isn't something where you look and he's there and you just gotta Get ready, uh, man. Yeah, make sure he can't hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Look at your topography. Look at your, you know, your cover, your Hope backdrop. You, you know, and and if you need to, you know, if you feel like you need to get ready, just make sure that you clear out stuff around you, your branches and stuff like that. But when I was actually making the comment at not out of him, uh-huh. is that if if you get that bull responding, don't engage the bull directly. Just 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 play your own scenario and almost as if ignoring him. We have our own party here. You you know it's up to you whether you want to come or not. Kind of. And deal, if he's right? coming, there, there's no need for a party, man. Don't even need this. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah, you're, yeah I agree. Come on, I agree. You're just yeah, hanging a little bit out there. You just like <clears throat> yeah, here I am. And you'll hear the right inflection there. in his bugle too. You'll hear yeah. that scream. That he's really worked up, right? When he's giving you that, dude, all you need to do is pick a place to set up and draw your bow. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, if he's at 600 yards and he's cranking and he's still bugling without me saying anything at 400, I ain't saying a word, man. I'm just moving Uh, to him. And I'm going to get in. I'm going to get in on him before I do something as close as I can using the terrain. And what I meant before was when you're absolutely got to have the wind. wind. And I'm glad you said that because that's something I always just take for granted. I got to do the the wind. I mean, that's just something that's ingrained in us now, right? Mm -hmm. But is that stop and scan spot. Where can that bull come and stop 
to look for that cow that he's hearing. You've I like your to, analogy with the doors in the house. Acts, yeah. Absolutely, man. Where they're coming and checking each room, man. Wherever they can come in and they can stop and scan trying to find you. You want to be to where that's in your effective range. Your setup is going to determine whether you kill that bull or not. Okay? Oh, there we go. Great uh, question. That was a real good one, man. Yeah. This is Jesse Carpinetti from McKinney, Texas, man. Just up the road. Yeah, yeah. Right down the street from Manano. And Jesse, right. I, I yeah. actually called Jesse on the phone. We had a conversation about this, uh, and it was a good long conversation. We could have had a podcast on it, man. But he goes, glunking. You guys talk about it. <laughs> Do that again. Do that again, Louise. I didn't quite hear it there. I heard it the first time. You guys talk about it all the time in the podcast. What does it sound like and how do you perform it? Is that, do you do it while calling or while lip balling? When and why would you use it? So I should have, I should have went and got a video of a bull glunking because mm-hmm. if you've never heard a bull glunking, but do you remember the first time any of you guys ever heard a bull glunking? Yep. Yes. Well, what did it seem like to you? It sounded like somebody rolling a tin can together. Like it was crazy. It was the wildest. I thought, it, and then it sounded like somebody driving a trailer down a bumpy road and it was vibrating. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And these two bulls come rolling up on me, man. They, they were glunking and then they went like this city crashed, fought in front of me. Yeah. It was nuts, man. That's pretty good, Luis. Man. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, our, our brother Guy Duplanche says that he can do it with a diaphragm and I haven't figured that out yet, man. And, uh, one day I was just trying to figure out how to produce the noise and, and I just took my tube here and I just started, I put it under. And if you've ever, if you've ever heard a bull when he's clunking, he's like, sometimes he's moving and sometimes he'll move fast. And when he does it, he gets that little, yeah. it's like a little, it's not, yeah. it, it, he just gets that. And Jesse, you got to know the only time they do that is when there's hot cows, like a smoking hot cow. So it's a whole rut fest scenario there. And, uh, and that's something in your calling that you can really lay in there and get a bull's attention because it mimics there being a hot cow there. And they only usually hear bull, other bulls doing it when there's a hot cow. And, and I, I have heard them when they're just tending them to Gilbert. Yeah. So it, you know, the main thing that it sends is the message that there's a bull with cows yeah. and, you know, and generally there could be a hot, you, season. you, you join that with the other. Yeah. You join that with that. Right. You join that sound with that. And that's how I do it is I just take the front of this and I just, Perfect. just right on the front of it. That's how I do it. And, uh, I, I don't, don't do it. 
These are the ones that we like to use. Now, lip balling, see, lip balling can be <laughs> different things. A lip ball can, when it's done in a certain way, can almost be like a challenge bugle. It can also Definitely. be like a short display bugle. When it goes longer, it's towards another bull. When it goes shorter, it's displaying for the cows, yeah. man. So, you know, yeah, you can do a lip ball bugle that's a display bugle. And then you've got, uh, when you do that, you're kind of sending a message and you add some glunks to it. But I generally do the glunks when Scenario. I'm doing like some raking, I'm doing some pants, I'm doing some whining. Yeah. You know, when I'm introducing I, a hot cow, I'll use that. Yeah. If I'm working a scenario where I'm, you know, yeah, like a slow play. Slow you're doing play. a slow play exactly. for yep. sure. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Because if you do it in one of those hot cow scenarios, yeah. Now yeah. you're pulling, you're pulling boys in, right? Yep. yep. They, they want to come you in. Finish. You're talking to her. You're not talking to them. So. Right. Yep. So Eric, Eric, do you use the grunt too to do your glunking or how, yeah, how do you? Yeah, I do it just like just like just Joe like does. Joe. I mean, I can use both ends, but I like on his particular the the um, soloist. Uh-huh. I like it there. Some of the bigger tubes, like on the big old the bats, the bats, my hands a little bit too small too to small. like oh. cover it up, yeah. so I'll pop the front of it. So right, right, yeah, and it yeah, I, I do the other side with that, yeah. 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 No, that sounds good. Yeah. The backside. Yeah. And yeah. And really, you know, it's not like a bull is going to go, hmm, well, that glunk is a little strange. <laughs> no, know? man. They, they know what the deal is. Yeah. It's an indication for them that there is bulls with cows. And, and it's kind of the last thing. It's the deal sealer. sealer and, you know? and I, and I like to, I actually, like to introduce mine a little earlier and sometimes yeah. I've used it all by itself in there yeah. just with some of those moans and pants and some wines in there. But let me tell you on the other side of it too. If you ever hear a bull glunking, he's on top. Close. Yeah. He's close. Top. I was, I was going to, I was, it's funny. I was just going to say that because you, you have to understand that for them when they hear it, the, you know, it's, it's close. This, this is close distance type deal. Yeah, real I remember a time me and Joe were putting on a scenario for Brother Chav, and we were behind him, and there were some bulls down below us, and we actually had a barrier uh between us, and we needed to call them across that barrier, and we did, uh but it was not until we started doing the glunking and the panting that they picked their heads up and were like, oh, wow, we heard y'all cow calling and bugling, but huh, here we go. We got some, some party going on up there. And, yeah. dude, they came up there like man, they were looking for the party, brother. And uh the sunlight had – we had us a decoy with us, and the sunlight kind of – kibosh just when we got behind the decoy but at the end of the day the glunking part and the panting part was the stuff that really sealed the deal so and i go back to a lot of these scenarios that joe and myself and chav have been in what a learning thing that since we've dove into speaking the language now that you know, I, I can take away from the learnings that we've we've been through, you know, and now I go, oh, no wonder it turned out like that. And, you know, yeah. it makes yeah, and, a whole and, lot of sense. And don't be afraid to try it. You know, glunking is like bugling. Every elk has a different sound. Yeah. You know, so, you know, give it a try. And, I, you know, to support what Gilbert was saying, uh, you know, I've had people, 
uh, look, I'm no biologist, but I know people um, that have said that they make the sound by because of the way they're Snap using the tongue. their tongue off the top of their the roof of their mouth, trying to pick up that odor, those pheromones of a of a cow in heat. So when when Gilbert says that there's a hot cow in there, that's generally what it's signifying. But you know, it just seems like you know, generally when there's a cow in heat, you hear a lot of bulls screaming a lot of times, following them up and uh, man, I've, I've just, I've just heard those bulls all morning long following along his cows and you could hear that glunking going through the hills and going mm-hmm. through the hills, just like he was tending or trying to pick up that scent or wait until one of them did come in estrus. So mm-hmm. it, it's really a cool thing and it, it sends a message out there. If just like we hear it and go, he's close and he has cows. Mm-hmm. When a bull do- hears that, he goes, he's close. The girls are close because he has cows, right? Exactly. Same message, man. All right. This question comes from Taylor Larrabee. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I just want to say this is a question that I found from some time back, y'all. Okay. Cool. All right. So what would a good calling sequence be when an early season bull responds to a bugle and he wants to buddy up? Also, how do you know if he even wants to buddy up or what the situation is after you close the distance? <clears throat> also, if you have a group of bulls you're trying to pull in that are in a batcher group, what calling would you use for that situation? Really looking at that August 30th, mm-hmm. September 10th time frame. So that's a pretty wide window, August 30th to 10th. That's your calling strategy is probably going to change a little bit. Yeah. I would say from like maybe August 30th to the September 5th. Yeah. And then from that point on, they're, you know, so you're talking like more pre-rut. These bulls are bachelored up, um, you know, so they're going to display a lot. You know, they're wow, going to announce okay. their presence. So um, what I typically do in that scenario there is I'm not too aggressive with my calling, um, but I will get out and I'll, I'll, I'll display myself. I'll do some, I'll, not just calling. I'll, you know, I'll do some um, raking. Raking, exactly. So they'll be sparring a lot too. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot now. Luis, you came up on a group of bulls. Yeah. How many mm-hmm. of them? There were about seven. About five or six. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a bachelor group together. Had you been doing any calling before you came up on them? Oh. Now, when you did come up on them, what kind of sounds were they making? Cow calls. They were doing bull mews. mews. So those bull were bull mews, mews yeah. right? Because they're not yeah. cows. And they were sparring. They were sparring and just doing, yeah, 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 And a lot, a lot of that sound. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. just advertising bugles, things like that. Because the thing is, too, is if you're going to do those scenarios, good chance them bulls are not going to make a sound when they're coming in early on. They're right. going to come. They're going to want to see. Now, they may start raking. You may hear that, but. You're going to have to be really patient on, on that type of scenario. If you know there's bulls in the area, mm-hmm. you better have your head in a swivel because they can come from different, you know, they can come from behind you, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Eric, you mentioned like from the 30th to the 5th, right? Yeah, so yeah. I found that sometimes there's about three days in that beginning of September when yeah. there's always an early estrus that pops. Yeah, and- I agree. And as soon as that happens, man, all of a sudden bulls start screaming like crazy because they're testing their voice up to them. Like you yeah. said, they're, they're yeah. advertising, they're buddied yeah. up, they're sparring like Louise talked about. But then yeah. if there's a hot cow that comes in heat, 
I mean, how many times have we killed bulls on that first or second day of September and bulls that are, and sometimes they're bachelored up together, but just because there's cows that are coming heat in the area, you can get them to be aggressive and get them to come in. You can get them to sound off. And then all of a sudden things, you know, we've been seeing it, right? Then that stage happens mm-hmm. sometimes from like the fifth to the tenth when things go <laughs> or dead, yeah. it's dead silence. Exactly. Yeah. You can, mm-hmm. you could also Depending be in a situation too. You could be in a situation too. You could be in a situation there too where you could have a bat, a bull that's just bachelor up on his own, but he's up in a bedding area. So you got to know kind of where you are because he could be very territorial and you start announcing your presence there. Boy, you could really get that guy fired up and he's just going to come after you. Mm-hmm. So he could be very aggressive on you from the start, but you got to know where you are. Yep. You know, if you're using your maps and you've been, you know, you kind of got your area scout out and you go, hey, this is a bedding area typically. You could start hearing a bull just by himself and really getting aggressive off the front front end of it. And a lot of times that's what it is. He, he's very territorial to that. And you hit on a new. big thing there because a lot of people don't realize that a bull's early on because they've been like in this area and they can become territorial. And they'll mm-hmm. kind of check their areas there and, yeah. and start letting other bulls know, hey, that they're the bull of that area right there. So you're absolutely right. That's a good way to get them in. And, you know, when you when you said this, what would be a calling sequence when an early bull responds to a bugle and he wants to buddy up? Well, <laughs> what, first of all, you're trying to read whether, like you said, how do you know he even wants to buddy up, right? Well, generally in that time of year, all of them are going to want to check out the competition. So that's why we do things, and most of the time – Look, our philosophy is we're lovers before we're fighters. One, I'm, I'm thinking to say that, Joe. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, yeah. and in that time of year, when you're letting out muse, it's not necessarily that you're doing, that you're doing cow muse. You can be doing bull, bull muse as well. Right. And they'll come into those multiple well and they'll come in silently to that especially those younger satellite bulls joe Mm -hmm. you know that are younger and they're looking for a little fam to hang out with you know i've always said you want to be a a lover first before a fighter uh chav and i actually eased into a big group of bachelor bulls and uh, we used the wind we used our woodsmanship didn't say a word and actually got in the middle of them got within 12 feet of about five of them and they were again near a barrier and we had to you know move them in a direction that we needed to and i didn't need to do anything but as the wind would swirl they'd kind of get a little sniff of us and weren't really too sure it was the finesse bull muse and finessed cow and calf calls that really piqued their interest though but away from me way away from me i'm calling right that's what really got them going so when you're in a big bachelor group like that you always want to make sure that you're not pinpointing yourself you're calling away and how close you are to that bachelor group piqued their interest right they're always wanting to see cows and calves and, and other bulls as well. So if you can make a, I wouldn't say a plethora of sounds, but some really subtle sounds. Like herd talk. Yeah, like yeah, herd talk. That herd man. mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they get real curious and those younger bulls are always going to come and check it out, man. You know, and we finally got one to play the game the right way, but it, how long did that take, Chad? That was a long, a long scenario, right? Wasn't like it happened all at once. It was a 
a real long scenario, but you gotta, you kind of gotta feel it out as you go. Yeah, it seemed like a, it seemed like a half hour, huh? But at least and, and yeah. it was probably less than that. Yeah. But every mm-hmm. once in a while, it, when they would uh, sniff something, they'd get kind of antsy, and you'd call, call, and you'd settle them down. Yeah. And yeah. out of the, I, I would say one out of the seven or eight bulls uh, was really curious about the call, call, and wanted to <laughs> head down, and the other one just wanted to play around. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It was just. It's also because Beto's pretty stinky, and the hogs on the Red River can tell you that. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you think about it, you know, a lot of those bulls, when they're buddied up like that, they're buddy-buddy because their testosterone hasn't gotten worked up yet, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, yeah. they're just not there. So, you know, if they think it's another bull and they hear bull muse, or if they – and a lot of times your best call – is even just a chuckle instead of even doing a bugle because it's kind of, it's a non-confrontational and a lot of those bulls will just chuckle at you. But let me tell you this, that early part of the season, everybody always thinks of a location call as being a location bugle. And my location call that time of year is a mew through a grunt tube, man. So, you know, the the first call that I give is going to be, Just like that without a grunt tube, because now I want, I just want to be able to check close in case there's something there. And then it's going to be, that's all I'm going to do. And that becomes a location call that they're going to answer. Now, if, if you give a location bugle and you get nothing and you give a location mew and you get a response, Stay with the mew. Mew, exactly. Right? Stay with the mew, man, because they're telling you what's pushing their button, and that's going to get that. So when we start doing that, and you asked about the scenario, what scenario once we close in? Here's my scenario as I'm going in. I'm going to face it this way just so you can hear it, but it would be behind me. That's it. That's that's my scenario, man. Come here. It has a rhythm to it, and if you notice, it's it's far, and I'm throwing it in different directions, different lengths, different volumes, inflection, just to give an idea of a small little group of. Bulls or cows, whichever yeah. way is just kick, yeah. kick some rocks, move some yeah, trees man. around, make some yeah. sounds so they hear you because that's what yeah. they're doing. They're moving around. And, 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 and their curiosity will kill the cat. I promise you. They are a curious animal anyway. Yeah. That's why when they booger and they, they take off from you, if you can cow call or bark at them, they will stop and turn broadside, right? So don't let none of that freak you out, man. I mean, I'm serious. Chav and I had those bulls at 12 feet. I'm serious. I could have mm-hmm. probably reached out and poked one of them with my bow at one time. And mm-hmm. we, we held our nerve. It was really hard. I'm telling you, but we <laughs> held our nerve and, and didn't get spooked. And they, they got spooked one other time. And one of the bigger bulls kind of started like he wanted mm-hmm. to run off. And I did bugle, but it was a real like, um, uh, like a, you know, kind of a, and that was it. And man, he was like, Oh, there's another bull over there too. 
man, he come trotting right back, you know? So I, I, at that time, I thought they were all fixing to bail. So, you know, Hey man, you, uh, you try to do something that'll gain their attention. And that was the, the deal sealer was me making her talk. And then all of a sudden one had to come over and figure out what was, what was the deal. And, you know, we put him down. Uh, I've also seen where there's, there's bulls out there. And you're like giving cow calls, you're doing that, and they could care the frig less. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you, you know, they're like, hey, we're standing out here. You yeah. know, you can see us. You, you want to join us? Come on in, you know? Right. right. I, I, yeah, I've, I've seen them just they ain't where. fired up at all. Uh, yeah, they can. Yeah, they just don't have the testosterone level either. They're just not there. But yeah. They'll, they'll, and, they'll answer. I, use a, I the, probably use a lot more bull sounds, honestly. The the later in the part. season, yeah. Then, yeah, then I do later in the season, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Joe and I had one time, we were between some bulls and cows, and <laughs> we got them coming on a string, dude. They are coming. They're going to pass right in front of us, 25 yards. I'm fixing to stick one of the biggest bulls in my life. And a bull blows up above us probably, what, quarter mile, Joe? Yeah. 500 yards. There were, there were two yeah. bulls that blew up over there. Yeah. Yeah. Two bulls blow up over there. They throw their heads up and look at one another and boom, they're gone, buddy. They go to the bull sound. They didn't, they left these cows down yeah, here because none of them were. Why, bud? Remember why though is because, exactly. you know, yeah. that was those bulls screaming signified a hot cow. Hot cow. Exactly. And they had been with these cows on, and ain't no hot cows in there. None there. None yeah. there. So they, they, they weren't saying a word. They were they were just with them cows, you know, checking, sniffing, whole nine yards, and then boom, they hear the blow up up yonder and it, Joe and I looked at each other like, <laughs> how in the world could this go wrong? But I want you, you know, to remember the date of that too, bro. It was probably like the sixteenth or seventeenth of was the September, year. right? It was, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Was. So, you know, when you're talking that earlier on, I mean those were bulls that were actually with cows. They were cowed up or following cows, and now they hear some other bulls that are displaying, so that pulls them off. So there's more bull talk going on there. That mm-hmm. early season, I tell you what, man, Luis and Manano have been with us on the script. Chav knows the whole script. You know the script, Gilbert man, where we're just moving and we're just moving and sound like two or three cows, man. That's it. And, and we're going slow, especially in areas where we're smelling or we've had a bull that sounded or we know that they're working a ridge. We're just moving slow and we're checking forward and to the sides, man, because they are going and listen for rocks rolling, listen for twigs snapping and take your time because those boogers will come in too. It helps to stop every once in a while and just no doubt because Taylor, they'll come in silent, bro. You may, they may Absolutely. sound That's- off away from you and you hear him like you, okay, he wants to buddy up and you're closing the distance too. He might not say another word, Absolutely. but he'll be in your hip pocket in mm-hmm. 35, 40 seconds, you know, so be, be aware of your surroundings. If you get one to talk to you, very, very good possibility. He won't say anything until he rolls up in there. I said, um, every once in a while is very useful to stop too and just listen. Take a couple minutes and just listen. Um, you know, you, you'd be surprised how much you stop hearing when you're just walking through the woods. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good point. Cornflakes. Yeah. My hearing's not as good as it used to be, but all my military background and stuff like that with artillery. So I have to make a point to, to be more patient like that. Cause you know, 
I just, I don't hear as good. So if you do have somebody, a good partner with you, it's got better hearing. That's an advantage. But if Tango you Manano know, could hear a mouse yeah. piss on cotton, man. I'm telling you. He had you. a thousand like, yards. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure can. Yep. That's the advantage of having a slave with you when you're hunting like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good question, Taylor. Great yeah. question. Gilbert, man. you get Dayton. You bet. Date, Mr. Dayton Rogers of Milwaukee, Wisconsin writes in so many times I've had elk screaming across the fence on private property mm-hmm. from where I hunt. Is there a way to call them across to public? I've no, had others say it's a waste of time. <laughs> if it is possible, what calls would you use and what setup right close or and would you set up close to the fence? It's impossible. I'll just tell you that much. I can't do it. I'm going to let my brother from another mother, Mr. Joe Gillia, hit on that real quick. Cause we have, uh, you know, you heard a little bit about what we did, me and Chav. Now I'm going to give you, uh, one of the best bulls I ever killed in my life. Uh, Joe brought him in from, oh, man, Joe, that rascal is at least a quarter mile off. Maybe my maybe first further. bull as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, look. <laughs> If Joe can hear him, if you guys can hear him, you can get him there. I promise you. Yeah. He's got to be in the right frame of mind. But Wait, I'm gonna I, leave I, this to I brought bulls from the potato patch over a half mile away, man, you know, over in there. And he, look, you've got – you've got if you have bulls screaming over on the other side on private property, that means that they've attracted a ton of satellites because when those other elk hear those bulls screaming like that, that signifies a hot cow. And there's some of those guys, man, that have been working and working, trying to get an opportunity. And then now if you give them something, some low-hanging fruit or something a little better, they will go look for another opportunity. You can create that opportunity. Yes, you can absolutely call animals off private property, but you got to give them a reason to. Now, does that mean you're going to call the herd bull? You can call a bull with 30 cows over there? Look. Number one, if you're trying to get the herd bull, you're not going to call the herd bull. You're going to try to, try to call the cows. Yeah. And you're going to try to call the cows in either by going towards um, their their mating part by trying to sound like a bigger bull than the one that they're with, giving them a better choice because they want the biggest, baddest bull to breed with. So that's one way that you can pull cows. Another way wow. is to go by their maternal instinct. What's that, Luis? Lost, lost, lost cow call. Maternal instincts with a lost calf call or a lost cow calls like that, or combining some of those. Like we've actually, we put on our scenarios where we can sound like, a big bull with cows and then maybe even throw out in between, like we're working up on top of a ridge and then we come physically move and go down and sound like a lost calf, lost Mm -hmm. cow in between there. So that bull knows that, whoa, there's an easy pickup right there. Mm -hmm. And a lost calf sound means that there's a mama in the area, right? So that's something that attracts those bulls, but you have to be active and you have to give that picture to make it happen. But you can absolutely do it. And you're doing it not by – so here's the thing. You're not trying to engage that bull. If you get a bull responding, you're not going to turn and start screaming at that bull. You're not going to start doing Mm. challenge bugles. You're not going to – you're not engaging with him. Stay within the story set that you're doing until that bull gets so worked up and comes within the distance that another bull would tell him to stay away. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then just stay within your scenario of that hot cow. I guarantee you that bull will come in and he will get so doggone worked up because you're not paying attention to him. And he's going to try to call those, those cows in. Now, the, when I talk about bringing the bull in, I'm not again talking about that herd bull. I'm talking about a satellite bull that probably responds and starts moving to you. Most likely silently at first, maybe silently all the way in. But a lot of times they will like start taking your pulse. We always talk about it to take the pulse of, of a bull, his mode, his mood, right? They do the same thing as they're coming, man. They're going to advertise because they're advertising to the cow that you have to find out, well, how big and bad is this dude I'm coming? How many guys are over there? How many cows are there? Is the cow responding to me? I'm coming in because I want to be part of the party. So it doesn't mean that he's announcing himself because he's going, I want to fight. No, man. If that bull comes in, he doesn't want to fight. He wants to breed, right? So the way that you can bring in a herd bull is by bringing his cows. I just told you two ways. Yeah. And now, most likely, if you're working them and pulling off, you're going to pull off a satellite bull. Most likely. All right. And I'll take every one of them that come in. So alive. <laughs> so alive. Yeah. And 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 I think there's something important to mention here. Obviously, you know, we all strive to be very ethical, and and we we never want to shoot an animal on the private side of the fence. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, so, yeah. uh, you know, something to keep in mind too is when you shoot an animal that just crossed the fence, their natural tendency is to go, go back to where right they back. came from, right? So, I mean, just make sure that you're comfortable with the shot you're taking, that you're sure that animal is going to die within the boundaries. But if it doesn't, you know, uh, have the courtesy to make the proper phone calls and, and con and do the right thing by demonstrating, Hey, this is where I shot him. Here's blood on this side before you even go into private property looking for an animal and don't get yourself, yourself in trouble. I mean, you, use uh, the more. terrain too, man. Determine what the terrain is doing and try to be off that fence line about 200 yards, you know? Right. And so here's the thing as well is I have found the, <laughs> when does a woman look the most attractive to you when you can't have her right <laughs> right when they're when they're leaving and they're not paying you any mind it's like whoa same thing happens with these bulls so when you start talking to a bull let's say i'm only 100 yards off the fence line or i'm 150 yards off the fence line and i get a bull that's reacting to me i don't want to stay in that area and again depending on what the topography is doing, right? If it's mm -hmm. thick treed, well, that's a totally different deal. If there's any kind of openings, you got to consider the topography. I don't want to be where a bull has to be in an opening to come to me being on the edge of a trees. So I'm going to use the topography and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I'm actually going to move away. I am going to move away like a herd moving away. And as I move away, I'm going to try to continually go, sounding like that herd moving. Then if that bull is, he's starting to come and he's doing that. Now I get a chance to come back and maybe throw out, like I said, that little piece of worm bait. I can throw out a lost calf. I can throw out one cow mew and let him know that, oh, there's a lagger, right? Joe, can you show, can you show him what a lost cow or, or a, uh, yeah, a lost cow sound sounds like. Can you show them what it sounds like? Calf. Yeah, or, so or lost cow, cow lost calf. And then when you get that, 
You know, you get that little more desperate, things, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So that so that's that, how that is money. When I tell y'all, when these bulls are wondering what's going on, and they start firing up, and you you hear that bull across that fence. If you do that lost cow call like that, and he goes, he sounds like he's getting closer. Just don't even say anything else. Just wait and listen to see how close he gets. If he fires up again, hit him again with it. And if he keeps on rolling, you got the recipe. Now it's about you moving in, like Joe said, the topography you need for him to come to you. Cause he's already fired up wondering what's up, right? So, you know, Dayton, you can absolutely call that bull a crosshair. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, we we almost abandoned this bull that I killed a few years ago that Joe called in for me. I don't know if I can get him right here, but um this bull right here, Joe killed that Joe called in for me. We almost left him. He, Put it he up started calling right now. Put it up closer to the camera. There you go. There you go. There you go. There? Now yeah. we see him. Yeah, there we go. That That's bull's nice black. Bull. You see how black that bull is. Well, what happened is he was so worked up, he got in a wallow. And we almost left before he was done out of that wallow. But as soon as he got out of that wallow, he bugled. And I told Joe, I said, man, I heard that bull down there again. He goes, hmm, well, hang on just a second. And he hit the lost cow call. And as soon as he did that lost cow, dude, that bull just erupted. And I mean, here he comes. So we just shut up, didn't say another And I'm doing word. it behind me, not yes. at the bull. Like, like the, like that cow's moving away and he's like, Hey, I'm over here. And she's going, no, I'm over here. Right. So then he threw a little bit of like a, a buzz in there with it. And then dude, it, as soon as we saw the bull emerge from the timber on the other side of the border, we just shut up, didn't say another word. And the, he didn't just call him across the barrier. He called him up the mountain to come find that cow. And I'm talking not a little ways either, a couple hundred yards up the in a very steep grade, right? So when mm-hmm. people tell you you ain't calling a bull uphill, you ain't calling him off, off give him a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm telling you that's bull. You give him a reason and you work on your strategies and not necessarily have to talk to him, but show him that there's something else going on. I promise you, brother, yeah. you call him bulls over there. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, no, and and also I think something that's important to mention, especially when you set up like that and you're destined to bring something over, uh, you're obviously going to be working on an area until you you hear some action from the other side or some movement, right? So because obviously at this point you're just kind of you're throwing your calls and you're listening for a while and just kind of waiting for a response. And then is it closer? Is it further away? But you're really concentrated on that one animal that you're listening on the other side, right? Well, keep your eyes open. Keep, keep your ears, ears open because more often than not, you have silent satellites, like he's mentioning, probably coming from different angles at you. And uh, you might have an opportunity quicker than you think. You may be concentrated in one animal, but get something else. Joe, how, how, Joe, how long do you think that scenario took to play out? Oh, probably 45 minutes. minutes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and there's two points on that, man, is that number one, first thing I want to say, do not set up on the fence. Do not no. set up on a fence. No. no. You know, you're, you're asking for trouble there. 
you know, um, get off of it, pull that guy. If you can pull him over over the top of the fence, you can pull him to you. All right. And you can pull him 200 yards, 300 yards, Mm -hmm. 400 yards. Okay. You can do that. Um, second thing is you can't be static. You got to be dynamic. So Mm -hmm. I try to sound like a herd that's moving away down a ridge coming back towards him, moving away again, physically doing this, man. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, I I sweat my butt off sometimes up there trying to sound like a herd moving in different directions and making noises and sound, you know, doing that scenario to make him know that. So, yeah, about 45 minutes. Yeah, one of the other things I would try to, just depending on the scenario, there was a scenario last year where there was some private land, and bulls are going off, but this bull was calling, calling the cow to him, right? She's pleading with him and he's calling her to him. He's not, he doesn't want to come for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. He's just insisting that she's calling. Now, one of the things, a good thing you might want to consider doing there, if you're playing that scenario where you're, you're pleading with him to come to you as a hot cow and he's not coming, just kind of like Joe was saying is turn yourself and head out. Head out, calling like you're still hot, go, going away, going away, 800 yards, and then run back, back to where you initially were because good chance he thinks you've left. Now, what's he going to want to do? He's going to want to come and scent check where you just had been calling from. He wants to see if there was that hot cow. He wants to smell her. Yeah. Mm. That could be a situation too where you're shutting down. He thinks you've left. He's going to come to smell it out and go. I mean, you just got to kind of read all those things. You know, they're, they're smart. They're very smart animals, man. It's hard to pull. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I tell you another thing that helped us too in that hunt and on others is we did have, uh, our, our predator decoy, right? And when he got a sight of that rascal, that, (laughs) that went, he went, Oh, man. Oh, wow. And, and he, that settled him down even too to come walk in the set, right? Uh, on, on several occasions, I've seen that happen, man. And, uh, so, you know, Dayton always have your predator decoy with you and, and, uh, and be ready to rock and roll. Cause I'm telling you, that's, that's one of the coolest things to watch is, is you call him in and then he gets confirmation. No doubt there's, you know, there's a cow or, uh, you know, another elk in the area, man, that's it. He, he, when they feel like that there is another elk there, they're coming. Right. And, uh, they're going to join the party, man. And then he, you get to celebrate like I did yeah. with all my bros. It was a horrible place where I killed that bull. Oh my God. It was like a six hour pack out. It was horrible. But at the end of the day, we got it done. Didn't we Joe? Yes. Yeah. But you, you could also be there at the wrong time. You could, you could actually be intercepting those animals when they're maybe they're on that private side. You're hearing them, but if it's early in the morning, they're heading to a destination. They're just moving through there. Right. That could be a, you got to just kind of know what time of day it is. You know, there's a lot great. of factors that go into that. That's a great point, man, because a yeah, lot of great. times they might have gone over there to bed there or yeah, it might correct. be they came down in the evening to feed there. So you got to know what that group and you can actually read them if you start to, you know, just take your time, be present, understand, listening to them. Because if they're gone there, then they're going to come back off. If they're betting there, they're going to come where they just came from to feed most likely. All right. But one thing that I want to add that Eric talked about, like when you have a bull that is demanding for a cow to come to him, when he's doing that, that short roundup bugle, or he's doing that display bugle, like get your butt over here. Right. And he's showing that frustration. Sometimes, 
you got to give him a reason why that cow hasn't come to him, and you can start to introduce some bull sounds. Bull sounds yep. Yep. And yeah, to correct. make him think that, wow, she has a bull, a bull with him. And then that changes the situation right there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. a great point, Joe. Great yeah. point. Yep. All right. So I'm going to handle this one. Bob Collins, we know the Billy Goat from Billy Rochester, Goat. New York. And he said this was really cool because I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, man. On our Colorado hunt, I had a lot of bulls just give a low mm. growl. And they'll, they'll do that. It's just like, mm. you know, just give that low grouse noise like that. It's kind of, you hear it like that, right? Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And he says, uh, I, I'm thinking they had cows and we're just letting them know where he's at. I got one to come in with a challenge bugle. But he came in silent. We tried slow play, breeding, raking, and just cow calls, but could not get him to come to us. Tried to put the sneak on him, but the wind or a cow would always bust us. Did you guys run into this low growl? If so, how do you handle it? I do feel the low growl was because all the pressure from the large amount of hunters in the area. Well, so look, here's the thing with the growl, y'all. When you have a bull with cows... And he does that growl at you. He's warning you, stay Stay away. He's heard you. He thinks that there's another bull over there. He's busted you. But he thinks you're a bull that's close, and he wants you to stay away. So 
you know, if, if you're going to just use a breeding sequence or if you're going to use cow, it ain't going to work. He's got cows. He's telling you to stay away. He's got his gals, right? Right. So that's not what's going to work, man. Yeah. So you, you got two choices. Get in on his bubble. Yep. And then try to call his, you know, then talk to his girls, right? Yep. See how he responds to that. Give that, get so tight that it's fight or flight. It's going to be one or the other. Either he's going to come with you and to fight or he's going to take them. He's going to run off or you pull the cows and you do that. Not with bull sounds, but you do it with those lost calf sounds, right? Mm -hmm. Those regathering news and things like that. So you just got to think of the situation. He's got a bull. He's going stay away. He doesn't want you in his dish. So go get in his dish. All right. Or bring his dish away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might use a cup. If I'm getting into his bubble, I know I'm close and I'm going to call out his cows. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a couple of mews at him that goes right into a bugle all at the same time. So he yeah. knows I'm not talking to him. I'm talking directly to his cows. Yep. yep. And see what he does. Yeah. yeah. You, it's just kind of like a little regathering bugle that. Yeah. It's a good. Yeah. And, and then if he, and, and then if he comes back at you, you just step on him. Step on him. Yeah. You step on him. Stomp as soon as he pops butt. up, you step on him. That'll make him really mad. You know, and usually you can get him fired up like that, Joe. How'd that sound? Maybe. Perfect. Way better. Yeah. Yep. Good. Way better. So, and and like does, I was saying, Joe, a lot of times when he, if he comes right back at you, you just step on him as soon as he pipes up, you know, you right. cut him off, you know, and a lot of times that's enough challenge that he's got, he's like, all right, dude, we're going to see who's baddest in this, in this deal. Absolutely. You know? Man, if that dude, and you'll be able to tell if he goes out now, <laughs> Sometimes we do that. You're going to hear a roundup bugle and he's rounding up his cows, get ready to get out Good. there. Sometimes we yeah. mistake that for a challenge, but cut him off and see what happens with it, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I would even, if he's going to round up bugle me like that, he's getting ready to book. I'm taking off right after him, man. Yeah, I am going to push. You're going my way right to him. Right Whoa. at him. It, right it's, at him. Yeah. He's either going to take off running or he's going to come and get me. Yep. But I got to make a move at that point. Yeah. Exactly. You better be ready. Son. Well, I was last year till I tripped, till I tripped and fell. <laughs> <laughs> did, a, did an airplane face plant. Yeah. yeah. So, so Chad, take Joel. What did Joel? Take, um, turf monkeys went up and got you. Did you skip about, Brian? Oh, no, Brian we missed Master? Brian. I'm sorry. Let's yeah. do Brian Master. And don't, don't miss my brother from Texas here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is Brian Masters from Texas. And he says, Got in on a bull, on a herd bull, less than a hundred yards. His cows were between us and him, fifty-ish yards. I stayed with lost mews to get in close, close, and switched to regathering. He really acted like he wanted to come, stopped and raked a bit. The cows started giving me the same whiny regathering mews, then started moving off. It was about nine thirty. And I'm, I'm assuming AM. So I know they were wanting to head to bed. Uh, just wondering additional options to break him loose and close the deal. You're 50 yards get... on his cows with him on the other side. <laughs> Man, yeah. you hang get out. out. I would have screamed to... at those cows. Yeah, you scream at those daddy, cows, baby. man. Absolutely, yeah. man. You let that dude on the other side know that there's a new boy in town taking his ladies. 
That's right. right. And he's, he's only five foot six, but come and get some. Yeah. Five foot six with a 28 had, inch missile. Yeah. You had <laughs> nothing to lose. Get, out, yeah. get after his ass. Yeah. It doesn't have to be long. Uh, you don't want it long. Yeah. You're just. That's all yeah. you want, man. Just and talking. He will turn that. about face, brother. And yeah. he will be hot. He will be pissed off. You know? Yeah. It, it, all he it, thought you were doing is more cows talking. That's it. You know, yeah. He he was like, well, oh, there, there's cows everywhere in here. So, yep. you know, they weren't the cows really. Are just, the cows are telling him, no, oh, just follow us. Here we yeah, are. Exactly. That we're lead cow is, he's always going to be following that lead cow anyway. And the only time he's ever going to like round them up and go is if there's something nefarious going on. And, uh, you know, as soon you, but you're between him and her. So as soon as you introduce that big nasty bull, dude, I promise you, he's coming. He's yeah, he got had, to get between y'all. He's got he, he's got the yeah he's got the bull on the other side of the herd and you're on his cows, man. Now Ooh. if he's between you and the herd, he can turn and push away. But for sure, you know. Yeah. But man, like that. There's but when you there. when you do when you do call to him, Brian, make sure you got your shooting lane and you're ready to go. Don't be behind something and then you're moving. You need to be where. You, you got an idea about if you can, I mean, obviously the situation could change, but I would definitely want to have some cover behind me, but I want to be in a spot where I think he's going to be, if I know where he's at between them and them cows, I want to be beeline, right? Where he's going to have to come and get me. I don't want to be behind nothing. And again, bugle behind you, man, away Correct. from Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't bugle yeah. at him. Bugle at the cows, bugle towards yeah. the cows, not at yeah. him. Yeah, good point. Well, and even away from those cows, man, because them cows are going to head up too, man, and you might even pull them. There's a good chance those cows are going to come to you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, some of those cows point. might just if they hear an aggressive bull. So yeah. that could happen as well. So you, you're going to have a lot of eyes you got to deal with. But if you make him think, man, he can come busting through and start hooking some cows and try to come and fend you off. And that's what you want. Yeah. Brian, right. you were so close, brother. Man, <laughs> doggone it. Getting our our uh, our academy where you can learn how to close the deal, brother. I promise you those that academy will help you close that deal know exactly what to do in the scenario based teaching that Joe's got out in our base camp. And there's one other thing you could do, Brian. You could have kept your mouth shut. And if you're that close on those cows, just keep trying to stay on the parallel side. You know, you got a lot of eyes to deal with, but you might have that bull come back around to the rear end to try to get those cows. You could just shut up and wait for that bull to present a a shot to you as well, man. So that's always an option. He says, shout cow. I'm with you on that. Closest thing's going to get an arrow. Guarantee you. Yeah, let the air out the tire, right? For sure. Yep. If he got in the middle of that 50 yard deal with them cows, he's in trouble anyway. That's <laughs> a roster. So right? gonna let the missile go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we're we're gonna end this with something that's not a scenario. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna save Joel and Chris and some of those other guys for our next time because we have fun, one here that I want you to scroll down, Luis, to Ed Morris down there. Okay, from Louisville. Yep. Here you go. It's all urine. Sir Ed Morris, Louisville, Kentucky. Haven't finished the entire podcast yet on heavy arrows, but one thing I notice is nobody ever seems to discuss fletching. 
three-fledged versus four-fledged, mm. blazers versus longer, uh, fledged degree of offset, etc. cetera. Uh, you may get into it later in the podcast, and I will finish it tonight, but uh, the question hit me, and I thought I would forward it before I forgot. How much effect does changing types of fletching have on arrows, not only the heavy arrows, but uh, the ones in the 460s and 500 grain weight area as well? Ed, this is a great question, and I will be lying to you if I told you I knew and I was an expert about this, and I've been inquiring about this as well, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and trying to learn. Um, a very simple approach that I have um, taken based on the things that I have seen is that um, for hunting, if especially if you're just hunting elk, um, the the blazer type veins are the most durable. Uh, they have a tall enough profile to stabilize your broadheads, and and they're short enough to where they're not going to have a huge impact on the longer veins um, for drift. Um, the I personally like uh, to have some angle on my uh, on my uh, on my fletchings. I like three degrees. And basically what you're doing here is, yes, those are the fletches I use. And uh, just a little bit of angle, it just gives it a good spin. And with a good spin, you, you stabilize your arrow flight. What are you, what you're stabilizing is against your broadhead because what's happening is that, um, you know, and here, here's something else that you have to think about. If you shoot a, a two-blade, single-bevel type broadheads, you want to make sure that that single bevel is oriented in the same direction that those fletches, meaning if you have a single bevel, which is a left-bevel broadhead, you may want to, you want to make sure that you fletch, um, you know, to the left. So in my case, it's three degrees left helical. Um there is there is a lot of discussion about for fletching, and I, I believe you know it has its its purposes. I just think that in my mind, adding more fletching on the back is going to uh, add more weight a little bit on the back, so it, it has a little bit of an impact on your FOC. Uh, so again, for simplicity purposes, when you're thinking of hunting, I think those regular you know uh, two. 2.1 inches, I, I believe, uh, veins are usually pretty good enough for the purposes of hunting. But once you get an indoor, setup, right? yeah. yeah, once you get an indoor ranges for target shooting, that's when you start messing with different fletchings and, and different options. Yeah. Cause I, I, to me, you know, additional fletch creates additional drag on going through mm -hmm. that animal as well. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one that's like not the scientist, man. I say get 20 yards, shoot them mid body. Three inches <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, yeah, we ain't we ain't gonna get too philosophical. You know, I shoot both blazers, and uh, are these called victories or what are they called, uh, Louis? Those are the Q2Is. Okay, Q2I. Uh, and listen, I'm gonna tell you, I shoot both the blazer and these, but these Q2Is are amazing. They fly. 
so good. Uh, of course, you know, when you got the leader of the Venezuelan mafia building ah. missiles, dude, I yeah. mean, these are bad medicine for yeah. whatever it, it encounters. <laughs> but um, it's a really cool setup that Luis set for me, but it's all tuned for my bow and the way it releases uh, the the actual fletching is tuned to the way my bow uh starts the arrow out left or right. He knows exactly which way that is because, you know, he, he fine tuned my bow, my, not only my bow, but my rest that was actually off a little bit. Um, so, I mean, we get, he gets real scientific about it, but I think you can't hurt yourself going with the blazers or these, uh, yeah. Q2 eyes, right? So, yeah, so. yeah that I was going to show. So, this vein right here, um, 33 elk with that vein right there. Uh, so at close distance, yes, no, no real science around it. Just about shot placement and being in an incredibly effective range, right? Not yes. all close. I think I had what chat a couple at, out there a little bit, huh? But, yeah. uh, <laughs> then, you know, once a drug pusher pushes on me, this, this was the next set right here. <laughs> That that took probably the next three elk, crack. like that, three or four elk. I'm not sure. And and this vein oh, you killed a lot know, more than that, homie. Then this vein right here um, is going mm. to be the next one to be used, and that's the Max Hunter. Yeah. There has not drawn blood with it yet, but I'm anxious to put something on these white ones here. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's got a good, uh, relatively tall profile for for a good broadhead, and it's got you know right you you got about three to four degrees to the right there on on that so right. it, it, it again for the purposes of hunting elk i think that's that's more than plenty one of the things that you know if there is a message to be taken is that the fletchings are not should not be there to correct your arrow, right. your arrow. um you should do the job up front when you when you uh, tune your arrow with field points to where it shoots pretty uh, – it doesn't make big tears through paper uh, when bare shafted. So the reason why you put the fletch the fletchings there is to help stabilize with your broadhead because if you ever shoot your um, arrow with a broadhead and no fletching – don't try this at home. I accidentally <laughs> did that once. Uh, what happens is in midair, that arrow is going to try to turn around on you. So it's going to think that the front end is the tail and it's going to be pretty catastrophic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's the purpose of, of the fletching, but you know, you have to do the front work on your bear shafts with field points beforehand because the fletching should only do very minimal there and uh it just it just helps maintain that arrow stabilized and with a good spin that's right awesome man great great question and we got more on the next time man joe what a great night of some awesome questions from our listeners guys if you like what we're doing please subscribe rate and review us you got to go to apple podcast or itunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And you can go to Waypoint TV, too, and look at us there. You can find us down in there all, all under all podcasts. So, and, and just a reminder for all our listeners, if you'd like your questions, 
answered on our show. Just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry, and we'll see you right here next week on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Absolutely. See you guys. Everybody, all peace. And Gilbert, what's up? Out there. For all our grinders out there, here's some more music from our brother Tony Wintrip to close out our show. Tony, Tony. <laughs> I got a whole bag of tricks for five by fives and six by six. Whether there's snow or a bit of rain, all that mountainous terrain. I got a pair of boots that fit just right, and felt calls get them close to my side. When I pull the string and I watch that carbon hit, I just elk it. Man, I just elk it. I just elk it. I waited 350 days. I watched the wind blowing from my old ways. And I watched the path that he walked in the fall. And there's no failure in my head when all I'm tracking is red. With the fist pump to the sky when the beast is dead. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. He's as big as a rodeo bull. I'm a cowboy on his back. I flip the buck knife under his skin. I quarter him up with a big old grin. And I feel the pack with the gold that I'm gonna be eating. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. This rack is turning heads upside down. The cooler's on and he's gonna start chilling on down, down, down. I just elk it. Man, I just elk it.